0: Welcome to the In the Scriptures podcast. The following Bible lesson was previously recorded. Appreciate Noel doing that reading from Hebrews 1. I'd encourage you to stay there for a moment. We're going to Kick off this uh, lesson, and actually a couple of, or three, at least three lessons, uh, Lord willing, uh, that we'll start today with uh, this idea of because Jesus died for me, um, and he in Hebrews one, I, I think I said Hebrews eleven, Hebrews one, uh, where Noel read from. There's a really eloquent um, depiction of what God did for us through Jesus. And this time of year when so many uh, begin to think about uh, the Easter holiday, and there's much to be studied and discussed just about that, uh, we can't help but have it on our minds because that's what our world around us and the culture will bring to, to the surface right now. And one of the things that I think we could mistakenly do is become hardened and harsh and calloused to any of those thoughts and and begin to think that uh, almost like, well, we we don't even want to celebrate in that kind of way. Well, (laughs) Jesus is worth celebrating. It's just that Jesus is worth celebrating every day, (laughs) every first day of the week. But every day, He's worth celebrating. So if there's any great downfall, it might be that very few people celebrate Jesus year-round and only celebrate Jesus around the quote-unquote Easter time or maybe Christmas time or something like that. But what the Hebrew writer explains in the first couple of verses is something that you and I need to take to heart, that we need to always have at the forefront of our mind, and that should keep us in this mindset of this is worth remembering and worth motivating me to change the way I live. That's really what so much of it is about in our walk and follow of Jesus, is to be willing to conform to His image instead of choosing to live selfishly in our own ways. So I want to read again, especially the first two verses, and and I want to let this introduce more of what I've Hope to to say today and over the next couple of weeks about this idea that because Jesus died for me, uh, I believe that I should look at things in a certain way, and be motivated in a certain way. So Hebrews one verse one again says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. I want to say something about that first verse. This is, uh, in, in essence, saying. This is not new that God has talked to His people. This is not new. God at various times and various ways throughout time past has talked to His people. Go back to the Garden of Eden and God spoke directly with Adam and Eve. Look back at Father Abraham and God spoke directly with Abraham and directly with Moses and, and the prophets down through the years. Now, in verse 2, he says, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds. Now, I want you think back about Bible history for a moment with me. and And... When we read the Genesis account and we think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we're in awe of that reality. It's a mystery to us in so many ways. We can't imagine being in the presence of God. We can't imagine being in a perfect place, not knowing sin. We can't imagine all of that. Like, that's beyond our scope of understanding. And to think about hearing the Lord coming in the midst of the garden in the cool of the day, that's again, beyond our comprehension and our understanding. Fast forward a little bit and think about God with Abraham. And the idea that God spoke to Abraham and made these promises to Abraham. I mean, can you and I fathom today the idea of God speaking to us and giving promises to us? I mean, I just can't fathom that. And if you had been around in that day and time and you had known Abraham, you know, secondhand, as if he was part of your family or part of your neighborhood or whatever it was, you can see why there would have been great respect and reverence shown and honor shown to Abraham. Because he was the friend of God. The same holds true for Moses and Isaiah and Elijah. I mean, just let's go down the list and think about all of those that if you had been there and, and you and I could have been in that circle of life at that time, that we would have held those men, those women even, we would have held all of those who God spoke to and through in such high regard because God spoke to them, right? Because they were God's messengers, they were God's prophets. They were God's mouthpiece. They were God's leaders. They were, God, they were the forefathers of God's nation. They were all of those things. And so, rightly, they were held in places of honor as much as men could be held in places of honor. And yet, through all of that, God was trying to get people to really look to who? To Him, not to, to the people, but to Him. Now, having said all of that and looking back through Bible history and and thinking about the history of God's people, now jump forward to what the Hebrew writer says, and he says, in these last days, God has now spoken to us by His Son. Now, as much as we might honor Abraham, as much as we might honor Moses, as much as we might honor David or Isaiah or Elijah, how much more should we honor God's Son? How much more should we listen to God's Son? After all, all of those Bible characters that we're just listing there, really, we could go back and we could say, here's where they showed they were human, where they made a mistake. But when we look at God's Son, it's perfection. It's God with us. And so He should be due the utmost honor and the utmost respect. He should have our ears completely. And then, notice what the Hebrew writer also says there in verse 2, who is appointed heir of all things. You know, so many in the early uh, first century times, as, as the early church was going and there was battle between Jew and Gentile, there were so many who held on to their genealogy and their inheritance through Abraham. It's like they had inherited something because of being in the lineage of Abraham. And now, God says that Jesus is the heir of all things. In other words, if anybody's getting an inheritance, it's coming through who? Through Jesus. Through Jesus. And then, just to tie the whole thing together at the end of verse 2, through whom also he made the worlds. Go back to the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made there in the first four or five verses. Jesus, God with us. Now why is that something that needs to be at the forefront of our minds well there's there's many reasons, there's many reasons. But in verse 3, as we keep reading there, it says, Who being in the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins. All right, let's hang out on that phrase for a minute. So talking about Jesus, He's this brightness, this glory, this this exact representation of God, God with us. That's who He is. He's not just Abraham. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a great leader like Moses. No, this is God's Son. God with us. But then, real key, when He Himself purged our sins. You know, how many times did the children of Israel make a big deal about, again, Father Abraham? How many times did the children of Israel make a big deal about Moses who led them out of Egypt? How many times they make a big deal about Joshua who led them to the victories over the Canaanite people so they had the land? How big of a deal do we need to make about Jesus who Himself purged our sins? The priests demanded the respect of the people because they were the ones that went on the people's behalf into the holy place and the most holy place. And they offered the sacrifices on behalf of the people of God. And so they, in that sense, demanded a certain reverence and respect, and an honor was due to them because of the service that they did to help with the sins of the people. But did they themselves purge the sins of the people? No. But here we read that He Himself, Jesus, the Son of God, He Himself purged Our cleansed our sins, pushed them out, blotted them out, wiped them out. At the end of verse 3, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. As much as we would honor and revere Abraham as he said to be at the right hand of God, as much as we would honor and revere someone like Moses, is he said to be at the right hand of God? I mean, the answer to that is no. None, none, No man has. The only one to be said to be at the right hand of God is Jesus Christ. In verse 4, Having become so much better than the angels, he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And he, the Hebrew writer goes on to talk more about this, but... I want to use this to introduce to us this idea that, you know, you and I, we know how to value things. We know how to take stock and in inventory and realize what matters and what means something to us. We know how to, again, place a value on something. And so I want to ask you today, have you placed a value on what Jesus has done for you? Have you really placed a value on it? And then can you, from that standpoint, from that starting point, can you then say, because Jesus died for me, I will do this, or I will do that, or I will never do this, or I will never do that, or I will always do this. That's a powerful thing, isn't it? Matter of fact, I would venture to say, if you think long enough about it, you could tell me of things you've already done that way, not just about Jesus, but maybe about other things. When you have said, you know, because of some great influence in the basketball, but because my dad taught me this, this is how I do it. And you place a value on that. Or because I failed when I tried it this way. Now, I've learned to do it this way. And in those moments, we realize the real value of things. That there is a lot that we do because of something. Can I submit to you today? That everything we do needs to be funneled through this idea that because of Jesus... I'm going to do this or that. So that's kind of the intro to what I want us to think about for the next few weeks. Because Jesus died for you and me. What does that do for us? And the first thing I want us to talk about today is that it really should motivate me and you to want to learn His will and His Word. I should want to learn His will and His Word. When you feel, when you, if we find in our lives that someone has done something extraordinary for us, it's going to come natural for us to want to know more about that person. Maybe know more about why they would do that. Know more about how they did that. Know what they would want us to do in response to that. How could we repay them? Or how could we also help them? Or how could we pay it forward and help someone else? All of those things should come to our mind and do come to our mind when we think of something like that. And when we look upon Jesus, that's the kind of motivators that should be there. Look at what He's done for us. And so now I want to hear Him. What would He tell me to do? And what would He tell me to say? We looked at Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Turn with me back to Matthew 28. And let's remember what Jesus said Himself as He was getting ready to depart and ascend back to heaven, to be at the right hand of the majesty on high, and He's going to send His disciples and all the world to proclaim His gospel? What did He say? Matthew 28, beginning of verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now that sounds a lot like what the Hebrew writer said, doesn't it? He's heir of all things. And so then Jesus says in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Notice verse 20, Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, if you have a, if you have a red letter Bible, okay, if you have a, a red letter Bible where the words of Jesus are in red, I would encourage you sometime, just make a point to start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Any of them would be great. Mark is shorter uh, in its full you know, content than any of them. Maybe start in Mark and, and, and don't read anything but the red words of Jesus. Because there's a lot of value when you read through the New Testament in getting the whole context and seeing, well, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and the scribes, or Jesus was talking to this person here, or that kind of... There's great value in all that. But there's also value in just stopping and listening to Jesus. And just forget all the other stuff. And just let Him talk. Because it's valuable no matter the context in that way. (laughs) So sometime, I just encourage you, make it a part of what you do in your Bible reading to just block out everything but the words of Jesus and pick up and just try to read as much through a gospel as you can of the the words of Jesus. And I'll tell you it'll do something a little different than a regular reading of a full chapter. Because when you can just listen to the voice of Jesus and cut out all the noise of all the other things and when you think about it and you put it in the context of because He died for me, I'm going to listen to Him. It'll sink in. There, you, you know, I, I try to be interesting enough that I can keep y'all's attention. <laughs> but, you, but you and I know that there have been times in which we've heard somebody speak and it's like, man, they just kept my attention. You know? What? Where did the time go? Whereas all y'all are like... You know, can we spring forward again? You know, but when somebody really has your attention, let me let me encourage you to think about something. If a human being, I don't care who it is, man or woman, teacher, you know, workplace or worship, whatever it is, if they really have your attention, stop and think about something, and ask. Does Jesus have my attention like that? Does Jesus have my attention like that? And when we go and we read the words of Jesus, we need to have that kind of desire to just soak up whatever it is that He's saying for us because His words are the words that really matter. That really, really matter. Look at John chapter 1. I mentioned and alluded to these verses earlier. I want to show you something in this text as well. John 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You know, there's this this disconnect. You know, when when you read through the New Testament and you see that the Pharisees and the scribes and these leaders of the Jews and so many just didn't believe Jesus and didn't want to believe it, didn't it but they argued with Him and they questioned Him and they just, they just didn't get it. And sometimes we're that way. Sometimes we just don't get it. You ever been trying to tell somebody something and they just don't get it? And you can get really frustrated because you're like, come on, everybody else gets it. But then when somebody gets it, it's like you can see the proverbial light bulb go off, right? And the eyes light up, and it's, ah! And then everybody's like, thank you! You know, you got it! But Jesus was truly a light that came and shone in a dark place, and there were many who didn't understand it. And I say that to say, let's not be those people. Let's desire to understand it, to comprehend it, to soak it up. To let it in. To listen to it. In verse 14, we read, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Sounds a lot like what the Hebrew writer was saying. God sent His Son. And that's phenomenal. It's amazing. It's what we need to hang everything on. In our lives. In Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3 and verse 17. And this is following a great dissertation about looking toward heavenly things, looking toward spiritual things, eternal things, the character of a Christian of following Jesus. And then the summation of it, in a sense, is in verse 17 when he says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Can I put that in a little different text into what we're saying right now? It's very similar to saying that in everything you do, remind yourself and do it because Jesus died for you. And because you know that Jesus died for you as the Son of God. That Jesus died for you and is at the right hand of God. That Jesus died for you and He has all authority and all power. And if you're not doing it in the name of Jesus, then what are you really doing? It needs to be our everything. It needs to be our all. There's a song we used to sing. Um, I don't know that it's in the current books at all. But it started out, He is my everything. He is my all. And it's because of what He's done for us. That's why. In James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19, notice what, how we need to be listening. And then also be doing. And it's a because kind of thing. It's a kind of, you know, shake us and remind us. James 1, beginning of verse 19, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Again, Jesus said, Go therefore, preach the gospel, baptize them, and teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. That's the saving power there in the Word and in our belief in it and in our practice of it. Then notice the warnings beginning in verse 22. But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in the trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. But there down through verse 25, do you see the encouragement of us to listen to the Word of God And then to do the Word of God. And somebody said, well, why? Because He died for me. Because my salvation is in Him. Because my hope is in Him. Going back to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. This is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and he gives a, he gives a conclusion, if you will. So here, he's, he's given all these teachings, and he gives a conclusion. I want you to listen to this conclusion from Jesus. He says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Because Jesus died for me, I want to learn His will. I want to listen to His Word. And more than that, I want to do His Word. It's the whole point of listening to it. Is to then do it. And staying here in the the Sermon on the Mount, I, I want to ask kind of an odd question. But I've heard people ask this before, mainly in thinking about celebrities or things like that. Like, you know, if you had 20 minutes with the President, or if you had 20 minutes with, you know a pro athlete or something like that, what would you do if you just had 20 minutes of their undivided attention? And when I think about things like that, you know, you, you would love, if, if it's somebody of great wisdom and great experience and all that, you, you know, you think, well, in 20 minutes, I can't, you know, I, I would want to shut up and just listen to them and, let, and tell them, talk fast. Can I record this? Because I want to get as much as I can get in 20 minutes. You know, that'd be the kind of way you'd approach it, Right if you really wanted to know. And from that kind of a mentality, and the same thing of just going and looking just at the words of Jesus, if, if we had 20 minutes with Him, well, we could have 20 minutes with Him if we just sit down and read His words. We'll have more than that. But what could that kind of look like? Well, well follow with me for a minute, and let's just, let's just us hush and listen to Jesus for a minute. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or God and riches. Verse 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Verse 39. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Chapter 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Chapter 16, 24 through 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. John 14, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you see the difference that it makes to maybe just focus on the words of Jesus for a minute? I want to read one more to you. In all the things that folks struggle with religiously, one of the big ones is salvation. How do we obtain it? What do we do? Why don't we just listen to Jesus? That's what I so often want to say. Why don't we just listen to Jesus? After all, He's the one who died for us. After all, He's the Son of God who came to the earth. Mark 16, beginning in verse 15, words of Jesus, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Now, I just I want to ask you this morning as, as we wrap up this thought. If we had been right there in that moment, if you had been there right there in that moment, would you obey Him? Because I'm going to tell you something. We're a stubborn people, aren't we? We're a stubborn people. And sometimes what's plainly written out, what's plainly able to be read and understood, we still fight against it. And so many of the problems that are out there among people could be solved if cooler heads would prevail Common sense would be followed and you would just look at what is actual truth. And guess what, my friends? So many of the dividing lines and differences that are out there in the religious world today could be solved by the exact same thing. Because when Jesus says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. How in the world could anyone... Ever say that baptism isn't important? How could anyone ever say that you don't have to believe in Jesus? How could anyone ever pluck those words out and not listen to them when they came from the lips of the Savior who died for us? I'll never understand it. And so my plea today is that we all just kind of like wake back up, let this kind of shake us a little bit, and remind ourselves when we get up every day that the things that we do and say, and the way that we live, and the path that we plot forward, so long as we're on this journey, on this pilgrimage, on this earth, as we're trying to make our way to a heavenly home, that it all should be motivated somehow, somewhere from within our heart from because He died for me. And when I put it in that context, Jesus could say, jump, and I would say, how high? Even though as a short guy, that's not going to go over real well. I could say, run, and I'd say, how far? He could say, wait, and I'd say, as long as you need me to. He could say, believe me, and I could say, I'm all ears, Lord. Lord. obey me and I can say just show me what to do Lord tell me what to do that needs to be our attitude and the show of our love for our Lord if that's not you today if there's something that you need to do if you I mean if nothing I mean really when we sin we sin against God we sin against Jesus against the Holy Spirit we sin against our own Savior, that's really what it boils down to. And so it may be that you feel in your heart today, I need, to, I need to repent and I need to confess and I need to ask for my Savior's forgiveness. My God's forgiveness. Because He's the one that I've really done wrong. And there may be others who need to forgive you and you need the forgiveness of as well. But you know that's all kind of byproducts of what really is at stake. And that's your relationship between you and God. And we'll pray with you and for you. We'll petition God on your behalf. And God is faithful to forgive. And if you're not a Christian today, whether you be here among us or listening to us from afar, you need to listen to the words of Jesus, not my words, but His. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. Have you been baptized into Christ? If not, you need to be. Because in Christ, through baptism, is the way in which Jesus said, you come into contact with His saving power because He died for you. He'll never not have died for you. (laughs) But you have to choose whether or not you will die for Him. Die in baptism, put away the old man of sin, and then live in such a way that if somebody on this earth takes your life, if... If the body just gives out and your life is gone, or if the Lord returns, you're ready. Because you've given it all to Him. If there's anything we could do to help you today, we'd ask you to come and let it be known while we stand and sing. Hello everyone. So you have found the In the Scriptures podcast. What have you found? Let's talk about it for just a moment. I'm Lance Taylor, the evangelist at Sandlin Road Church of Christ in Elkmont, Alabama. This podcast is to be a Bible study encouraging the opening of the Bible itself personally to examine the scriptures so that you can find Christian answers for daily life and to help you better share God's Word and better remember God's Word as it applies to you. So, come with me on this journey as we look in the Scriptures together.